0: And welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing, professional females looking for practical ways to optimise all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritise your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritised your health, learned to fuel your body, found time for exercise and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviours for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Hello, we've got a wonderful guest on this week, Danielle Dame is going to be talking to us specifically around improving our relationship with sugar. If you're on a weight loss journey, if you are looking to reduce the amount of processed food in your diet and you are looking to make sustainable dietary changes, this episode is for you. It's another one in the series of episodes that we've put together specifically on improving our relationship with food and I hope you're really going to enjoy this one. If you would like to show your support for the podcast, it would mean the absolute world. To me, there are a couple of ways to get involved and I see many of you have been doing this, so thank you so much. If you would like to receive the podcast straight to your podcast inbox every single week, so you're probably listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you hit the follow or subscribe button on either of those platforms, it will just magically appear every single Tuesday um, into your podcast inbox. And like I say, I see a lot of you have been doing that particularly since the start of January. So I'm hugely grateful. Thank you so much. Our subscribers are going up and up and up, which is fantastic to see. We're now streaming in 26 countries, which is very, very exciting. If you would like to support the podcast in another way, you can send the show or this episode specifically to someone in your inner circle. Maybe you know someone who is looking to make healthy changes in 2024. Maybe they've been asking you how fantastic was us telling you how fantastic you're looking, asking you how you're doing it, and you're saying I'm getting all of my information from the Health Hacks podcast, you should give it a listen to, um, do send an episode over to them. We've got a whole host of topics that we've covered from ADHD through to perimenopause through to sleep, uh, nutrition around busy family life. That's all in our back catalogue. So go and have a browse. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Danielle Dane. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Health Hacks podcast. Today I am joined by Danielle Dame. Danielle is a certified holistic nutrition coach who specializes in helping women to reshape their relationship with sugar, build new habits and find sustainable ways to look after their health every single day. And she's also the host of the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. And she joins us here very, very early in your part of the world. So I can't thank you enough for making the time for uh, for us this morning. Have you had a coffee before you hit the record button?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, but I am actually drinking a black tea.
0: Oh, Very English
1: of me. It's probably, it's probably garbage tea, according to you, but
0: <laughs> it works to me. <laughs> I'm actually not a tea drinker. A Brit wow. doesn't drink tea, I know. Um, it's, it's just never been my thing. And um, Danielle, you're joining us from Vancouver Island, a part of the world that I know and and love. And we've just been discussing prior to hitting the recording, but you love to be Outdoors, enjoying nature—it is just the most stunning part of the world. Um, tell us more about you and how you got into the work that you do uh, with coaching, but also a uh, lifestyle as well.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm I'm so excited to to chat with you and to connect today, and hopefully impart some wisdom on everybody listening. Um, so I'll make this short because I know we want to dive into lots of other good good stuff today. But um, yeah, my journey, you know, is really. You know, reflecting on my relationship with food and sugar goes way back to my childhood, right? It does with all of us. And that's really where my addiction with sugar started um, and my poor eating habits started. And for most of us, that's where it starts. And I can see in hindsight why, you know, I've unpacked that over the last years for myself and my own healing journey and understand, you know, how I got to where I, you know, eventually. Went off to university, um, eating the typical sort of standard American diet, even though I'm in Canada, the standard Canadian diet, you know, just junk food and processed food and things that were quick. I've always had a sweet tooth. I love sugar. Um, It was just a part of my life. And I exercised, I played sports, and I didn't really think anything of it. Um, It wasn't a problem because I wasn't aware of it, right? I think that's for a lot of us. We don't know something's a problem until we learn that our body's not supposed to feel that way or we're not supposed to actually be doing that. It's unhealthy. So, you know, I went off to work. I actually went and worked in one of the largest banks here in Canada for a while. And that was really the rock bottom for me when I look back of my Like complete uh, binge emotional eating. I was extremely miserable at work. And I see now that I was using, I mean, this had been with me my whole life, but that rock bottom was a real eye opener for how I was using food to cope and escape all the difficult emotions that I was feeling. So I was completely disengaged with my work. I wasn't feeling respected at work. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was anxious. And I would come home and I would just drink wine and eat junk and watch Netflix, like all three. I was just like, avoid, avoid, avoid. And that, I know why I was doing that, but that was really kind of the wake-up call. My husband and I, at the time, were both miserable. And we we actually got so miserable, we hit our rock bottom and decided to quit our jobs. And that was really the start of my sort of, we'll call it my personal growth journey. Uh, we quit our jobs and spent a year in South America. So I went and traveled for a year and had all sorts of experiences, of course. And the one that I'll pull out is at the end of that trip, we actually ended up living in the middle of the Colombian jungle at a yoga center, a retreat center. And we lived completely off the land. And that was the first time I'd ever done that in my life. The first time I'd ever gone a day without processed food. And that was where I started really having my wake-up call and understanding that I was addicted to sugar and that my taste buds were controlled by processed food and sugar. And that if I didn't do something about it, you know, I was, I was in for a really unhealthy life. It, um, so that two weeks was sort of where I did my what I call my accidental sugar detox. <laughs> um, we also happened to get a parasite at the same time, which is a horrible combination. I do not recommend that to anybody. Um, and then two weeks later, came back to Canada, came home. And it was that's really where everything started with me reflecting on uh, what was really going on with sugar specifically in my life? And my taste buds had started to change. so it was it was really just that eye-opening piece. And from there, this was about eight years ago. I've been, you know, growing my business and really wanting to help other women step into their power. and, and uncover the real root causes of why we eat what we eat, right? And why so many of us have such a, we'll call it a dysfunctional or unhealthy relationship with food, especially something as addictive as sugar. So that has kind of been my focus, but I mean, it really encompasses everything when we look at our complicated relationship with food. It ultimately stems from these deeper rooted pieces that I know we'll get into later. um, That is absolutely my passion and and that's what I do now. I mean, every year it evolves and it's just getting deeper and deeper into helping women really step back into their power, find their voice and and heal these, these inner wounds that we all carry that essentially we're using food to cope and escape from.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can totally relate to that unfulfilled nine to five going home, I drank so much wine well, I was in architectural practice before I moved into this space and I used it was mostly wine and and food too as as that escapism for want of a better word um Danielle I'm gonna have to ask you the question stripping this right back we will touch on your experience in the Colombian jungle don't think we've had that yet on the podcast I will say what does it mean to have a sugar addiction was a phrase you used. yes what does that mean okay
1: so you're going to find a lot of people who have a lot of different definitions of addiction, but, um, the one I love, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gabor Mate for any of any of you who have ever heard of him. He's really studied addiction for many years and understands that addiction is, is either a behavior or a pattern that we engage in over and over again, even though it's harming us, but we can't sort of seem to stop. So this is where, you know, food or sugar, right. We can think of uh, hard drugs. We can think of alcohol. We can think of porn. We can think of shopping. Like it's, it's a destructive behavior or um, uh, substance that you know is harming you, but you can't seem to stop. So this is where sugar comes in. We know now, um, and we can get into some of that. But hopefully, I mean, the world is waking up to the truth of how harmful overdosing on sugar is, and processed food, and seed oils, and a lot of the toxins that they're putting in our food, especially over here in North America. And um, and and we still can't seem to stop. We know we don't want to be eating it. We know we don't feel good when we eat it. We know it ruins our sleep, but we can't seem to stop. So that would be kind of the simple definition of of you know the addiction. You know, on that sort of. Mm-hmm.
0: And what does it feel like? I mean, from your either past experience or anecdotal responses from your clients in how they feel when they, they need to, or want to have that sugar to satisfy. What does that actually feel like from your experience?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Such a great question because that is really where we need to start for many who are listening, maybe going, I don't really think that's a problem. Um, you know, for everybody, it, it does feel different, but I think mostly for most of my clients and I've seen over the years, it's this pull, right? That's almost like this really big energetic pull towards like, I need something snacky, right? Or I just, it's kind of like this need that comes from a deep space of like, I need something. I just need something sweet right now. Kind of that impulse. So that craving, some people might actually relate to actually physically having a craving for chocolate or a craving for that glass of wine, right? They might be able to, to connect to that. Um, It's also, it's also that, that, like that emotional pull, right? Of like, oh, I just need to feel better, right? Or I need to, um, I need to just distract myself, right? So there's there's a few ways, like physically and psychologically, that those sort of cravings show up and that that pull. But what at, what that looks like on a bigger scale is is not being able to go a day without having like a snack, having something sugary, right? Not being able to finish a meal without needing some dessert, right? I know that was a big one for me. Like the day didn't feel complete unless I had a bowl of ice cream after dinner, right? And maybe it's eating exactly that, eating after dinner, right? Eating on the couch, watching movies, like feeling like you need a snack or, or your day doesn't feel complete. So those are a couple of the ways that it shows up. Obviously it it shows up in many different ways for, for many different women, but those are some of the most common ones that I see
0: so interesting there when you were speaking you used the word need and not the word want yeah. because for me thinking about that and, and just and reflecting just as you were going through it is actually a want isn't it it's a driver it's a want but we describe it as something more urgent than that we describe it as something that we, we really feel that we need it and I think that's yeah. one of the distinctions isn't it it goes from a desire to a, a real sense of urgency and almost yeah. out of control I know I've definitely if I've experienced cravings or I love the word you use that pull towards something like, yeah. I, I need to have this I feel like it I, I can't be complete I love that um yeah. you lived in the Colombian jungle for a while <laughs> what an experience <laughs> Two weeks. i'm sure Not a you... while. Two <laughs> <weeks>. <laughs> well, on your but well, on your traveling journey though i'm sure you must have experienced or be exposed to a lot of different cultures that actually when we are in you know western society and we're all used to going to supermarkets and i i you know lived living in canada we, we can go to the same supermarkets and we can get the same produce over and over again right it's uh we get used to to the same um i'm sure this is a huge question and I don't know if we can uh, do it justice on a, on a single podcast, but what do you or what are your perceptions of the society the, that we live in that prioritises processed food so highly? I mean, even some of the supermarkets here, you can actually struggle to get fresh produce and wow. or to know what to consume. Or thinking about a supermarket, the proportion of pre- fresh produce versus processed in the overall supermarket is very much weighted in favor of the process and I wonder if you have any thoughts on on that as a societal problem generally.
1: Absolutely yeah we could definitely do a whole podcast on this but I love that you asked that question because that was a big part of my eyes being opened to food when i was in, in south america one of the things that really hit for me was the way that they they buy their food is that these massive warehouse type buildings that are markets right and it's all fresh produce raw animals hanging from the ceiling like it's pretty like wild and organic and like natural and that's where you go and shop and then you go to the supermarket maybe to buy well actually no you'd even buy your grains and rice and spices and like everything there and then you would cook it and i remember like just kind of living at least my my young years like just eating processed food or takeout right so to me like cooking all your meals seemed crazy. And this is a a societal systemic problem that we have here in the Western world where we do not prioritize cooking for ourselves. And I know a lot of your listeners are busy, uh, busy women with a lot going on. And I don't have time to cook is, is a really common sort of mantra in the head, right? Because it hasn't been instilled in us that that is actually a vital part of our thrival, not just survival, right? But as human beings. So we have been indoctrinated into this society of fast processed foods, right? Thank you, McDonald's. Thank you, PepsiCo, right? These big conglomerates that have taught us since the fifties that, you know, women can now go and work. They don't have to cook anymore. Here's all these quick, fast ways to start making food. And it's just gotten worse from there. And now we're, we're in this, this age where we don't know how to cook. We don't, we don't know how to nourish ourselves and it's not a priority, right? And there it's kind of, it's, it's out of necessity i think it's just the way that you know in south america they just do it's cheaper to go and buy your fresh produce right this is a problem as well here it's more expensive sometimes to cook real food and cheaper for processed so there's a lot of systemic problems that need to be addressed but that's you know the the quick couple of things i'll say on that and it is really i mean obviously i haven't been down there for 9 years or so but i remember that being really eye opening for me and in, in actually starting to like just see how a whole culture actually cooks most of their meals, right? Mm. And they don't always go out. And even when they go out, it's pretty simple food. It's not, you know, complicated.
0: Yeah, I know that you were there for a short window of time, and unfortunately, were was were ill during during that period. But what have been your experiences of of reducing processed food in your own diet and prioritizing those whole foods from a uh, from a physiological and, and psychological? How do you feel operating with those real foods?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt like crap in the beginning. (laughs) I'm going to say it how it is. (laughs) There is a detox period and I felt like garbage and obviously we were sick Um, and then came home. But after a while of cleaning up, um, definitely massive changes in my energy, improvements in my sleep, improvements in my skin. I just started feeling. Um, I love this. A lot of my clients kind of use this word, clean. Like I want to feel clean. I started feeling clean, um, and my brain started working better. You know, I I love this piece of when I work with my clients, they start noticing. Wow, I'm I'm not foggy, and I don't have mood swings anymore, and my hormones are more balanced, and I'm sleeping better, and and yes, you know, hopefully losing some weight as well, right? Like that is a byproduct of this. Um, so it it really just it changes everything, you know, physically and mentally when we get off of I mean, we're on drugs, right? Sugar and processed food is, is a drug and it's hijacking our dopamine centers, it's hijacking our gut health, um, and really all areas, not just mentally and physically, but emotionally as well. I mean, I know um, you know, for so many of my clients, it's that. Guilt and the shame, and the like the depression and the anxiety, and that sort of a- emotional roller coaster that they go on with food, right? And it's just it's robbing us of our presence and our joy and our ability to really be here and live the life that we want to live.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. I wonder if it might be useful for the for the listeners also for me uh, to maybe define what we actually mean by sugar in this context and and what falls into those categories what we're defining as a sugar as we go on with this conversation what does it mean to you and and your client base
1: yeah yeah so good thanks for bringing that in because that is an important place and actually a place that um, many don't realize. (laughs) So thank you. So sugar is, and again, you'll find different definitions, but in, in the simplest way, sugar is any simple carbohydrate that immediately converts either to glucose or fructose in the bloodstream. So these are like quick acting, um, digestible simple carbohydrates. So many of us know that candy is sugar, ice cream is sugar, right? But many also forget that chips are also sugar, right? The white processed corn flour that was made to use those chips is immediately released into the bloodstream. So what I mean by that is there's, there's minimal fiber, there's minimal other nutrients, and it passes through your digestive tract and really quickly causes an insulin spike in your blood sugar. And this is things like, uh Also maple syrup, honey, agave. Like there's a lot of these natural sweeteners that people trick themselves into thinking, well, it's not sugar, it's honey. It's healthy for me. And sure, honey may be one of the best forms of sugar, but it's still sugar. So we can't fool ourselves with that. Um, So is bread, so are chips, so are crackers. These sort of white flours and white processed foods. Also high sugar fruits. Right? Like, unfortunately, pineapple is sugar. Right? It's delicious. And yes, it's natural, but it's still sugar in the body and it's still giving you a big hit. So you need to understand when you're eating that, that, hey, maybe I shouldn't have a whole pineapple, right? Maybe I'll just have a couple bites, right? Because that's a lot of sugar. So I think that's really important for people to understand that even if it's natural, it's still sugar in the body. It's still giving your body a massive dump of glucose and fructose. And it's, it's a massive burden for your insulin and your liver to, to try to process all of that really quickly. Whereas when we look at things like um, complex carbohydrates, which I know there are people in the keto and carnivore world who say like, don't eat any of that. Um, I'm a little bit more lenient. I think each of our bodies has a different story to tell but complex carbohydrates tend to come with more fiber, right? And more actual vitamins and minerals that help digest that. So like eating a whole apple versus drinking apple juice is gonna be a massive difference in the way that it actually gets slowly released into your body and dealt with, right? Instead of a massive dump of apple juice, right? Your body's having a minute to like actually process and do what it needs to do with that apple. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I think for a lot of people, the the wording confuses things because we say simple sugars. Now, in my head, I can see why people would link the phrase simple sugars. You think food in its most basic form. So we then start to think of things like, you know, the potato or the right. apple or the we think. But what we actually mean by simple sugars is the speed in which the body breaks that food down and it's utilized by by the body. And for me, fiber is the key one. So it's, it's what am I getting? What other benefits am I getting along with this food group? So when we think about the, the pineapple, yes, the quantity is important, but thinking about the nutrients that also come along with eating that fruit. So you're also getting the vitamins, the minerals, the, the fiber that comes along and, and that's where we can find that balance. And I love that you're a carb advocate as well. So you're not saying cut out all carbs, right? That's not the conversation here at all. Well,
1: it depends. So I, I should clarify on that. Um, it really depends on the person and the goal, right? And the lifestyle. This is where, you know, I really don't get dogmatic with how to eat. And I love supporting my clients and finding a path for them because ultimately the, you know, somebody going on a carnivore diet, it may not be sustainable for their lifestyle. It may be way too much work. It may be just not feasible to build into their day with everything else they have going on to do the food prep, right? So that may just not be a sustainable way to eat, right? Or it may not actually be working for their body. You know, not every diet is, is good for all of us. We're all very unique. And this is, we need to be careful with all these experts toting, do this, you know, be vegan, be keto, all these things. And we have to sure, maybe try some of those on, but really tune into our body and look at what are, what's happening to our muscle mass, what's happening to our gut health, what's happening to our, all of our markers, right. in our, in our blood. Um, and, and find what is that diet for us. So, so, you know, it really depends, you know, it depends uh, for many uh, on the carb, but no, I, I mean, I eat carbs. I, yeah, I don't cut them all out. I have a, what I call my, my sugar freedom relationship And, um, I still eat sugar on occasion. I still love a glass of wine on occasion. And it's, it's from a different place now where it's not dragging me into that hole of then doing it every day. Right. And, and I know what my body can handle. I know that the toxic load that my liver can support. And, um, I think that's an important part of it. So it's not as easy as don't eat carbs and eat carbs. I think, I think we all need to play around and we need to understand, yes, we can eat better versions of carbs, hundred percent. Um, but it's, it's really up to us to sort of play around. And that's the piece people don't want, right? We want the answer. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, the how much and
0: when I think is definitely the challenge and finding out how that, uh, your balance. And it is a bit of trial and error. It's certainly taken me a long time to know what works well with my body. I know now what digests well, when to consume it, when to stop, is a is an important one it's a it's it's when to stop I think well we were definitely raised in a culture that you ate what was on your plate and yeah. you would not leave the table until you know that plate was plate was clean and that hasn't necessarily served us all and um, as we've as we've grown um and obviously I'll tie that in within an abundance culture that we're now in I think that messaging came from a society that it was a little bit more scarce and conscious yeah. of, of food but now we've gone that in one generation gone completely the other way and we're now in this generation of abundance and we don't know how to handle that messaging it's an interesting uh, interesting uh, line of thought you've got an amazing line on your website your relationship with sugar is a reflection of your relationship with yourself tell us more about that
1: yeah okay thank you for pulling that out i love that i love that one and i love talking about this because So for the last eight years, I've been really diving deep into supporting women and building healthy habits, learning to meal plan, learning to detox from sugar, support their body. And what I very quickly realized is no matter how long my clients were eating clean or, and and even for myself, you know, it took me almost three years to feel like I had a handle on what was going on, you know, back in control of, of what I was eating and nourishing myself was second nature. And you know, my clients in the beginning, every time, and I see this in the world around me, I mean, I'm in this, this industry now, and I see it all the time as women going off of sugar or eating really clean for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, maybe even a year. I've had some clients come to me who have done this a year of like really clean eating, not eating sugar. And then something happens and they're right back in sugar, right? There's this sort of like yo-yo dieting um, thing that happens. And I became really fascinated by this early on being like, why? If somebody feels so good, why would they self-sabotage? So I started really observing and getting curious about what's going on under the surface. This is not just a physical problem because there's no doubt, obviously sugar hijacks our brain our dopamine centers, our gut, you know, it, it, um, wreaks havoc on our whole body and cravings can come from the physical aspect of, you know, our gut microbiome screaming, give me sugar. But when that's no longer a factor, what's going on. And I started becoming fascinated with the mental and emotional piece. So by that quote, what I actually mean, and, and now as I study more of addiction and I'm really getting into the, the world of somatics. And And understanding our nervous system, I actually understand now that our patterns, whether it's with sugar or toxic relationships or alcohol, all of these patterns of what I will call numbing and escaping are essentially a trauma response from our childhood. And we all have it. There is some need that we didn't have met, or there is something that happened to us in childhood that shaped our nervous system and our ability to actually feel safe in our body and feeling safe to feel. We have so many blocks in our culture to the, what I call these protectors, these, these walls up that we are have developed at a young age to keep ourselves safe. And sugar is the most socially acceptable way that we have all learned to, to numb out or avoid actually having to feel what's there and actually having to go back and navigate. So there's a lot, I'm trying to really sum this up. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of conversation here to be had, but this understanding that addiction is rooted in trauma. And when it comes to our unhealthy patterns with sugar, whether it's you know using it to... Celebrate using sugar to show and receive love, using it to give you joy, using it to spark, like give you energy. Right? all There's so many ways that we use sugar, but the biggest one that I see with all my clients and the world is using it as a tool to just avoid what's inside. So when I say, you know, our relationship with sugar, you know, is a mirror of our relationship with ourselves is there's this dysfunctional relationship with sugar, but that actually is starting with our dysfunctional relationship with ourselves. And until we're willing to look inward and look at the truth that we don't love ourselves, that we maybe didn't get what we needed and childhood from our caregivers, that we don't know how to feel our emotions because it was never supported. And look at this like this ball of dysregulation and um, disconnection from ourselves, then we're forever going to be in these escapism patterns. And we might just switch it. It might be alcohol and now it's sugar. It might be, you know, have been sugar and now it's Netflix and Instagram. Like there's all sorts of ways that we we avoid having to feel and be with who we truly are. Most of us don't even know who we truly are. I mean, this is a big piece as well. I'm going to interrupt this podcast just for a moment to speak to you
0: specifically if you've been listening to this episode till this point and you really feel as though you can relate to the topic that we are covering. If you are on a mission to improve your overall health and nutrition, you feel sugar really is an issue. Maybe you feel as though a lot of what we're discussing is landing with you. You would like to make a positive change, but you want to do so with the help and support of a professional, get in touch. I'm going to put my details in the show notes below get in touch with me, book a one-to-one discovery call. Let me know a little bit more about your lifestyle, but more importantly, your goals for this year. Once we know what they are, we can take the first steps in helping you to achieve them. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, we have had this conversation. This is actually a recurring theme that's come up on, on the podcast. And Danielle, I'll be very transparent. The most listened to podcast episodes that we ever have on health hacks are around emotional eating and are around uh, this piece I need to ask you this question because it's coming up again and again and again and again that our default is to numb and our default ways of numbing are exactly the things that you've just said sugar, Netflix, uh, Instagram, social media is is a massive one They're, they're just they seem to be the ones that are coming up what on earth do we do instead? I'm someone I've had a really excuse my phrase I'm, I've had a really shitty day I'm stressed my boss has been pissing me off I've had just had a fight with my partner I, I've gotten to the end of the day I've closed my laptop I'm working from home I can't be bothered to cook something when delivery is right here I, I want the sugar I need the sugar what am I supposed to do instead
1: yeah Yes. So this is, I love that you're asking this question, because I can imagine so many listening to this now asking that question. And I will kind of, uh, I'm going to come at this differently, because it's not about doing something else instead. It's about learning and teaching yourself to be okay doing nothing. So we often look for what I would say your question is almost a surface level question of like, I just want to replace this bad habit with a good habit, right? Instead of eating sugar, I'm going to have a bath instead of, and we often look for this other thing to do, but we're still just masking the problem. The problem is not being able to be in whatever it is that you're feeling after that crazy day you just described, right that is a that is a crappy day that you just described and you're probably going to be feeling really stressed maybe sad maybe angry uh, maybe disheartened or disconnected there's going to be all sorts of things that demand to be felt so instead of doing things it's actually about getting to a place where you know yourself enough and you know how important it is to feel that you can after a day like that spend time with yourself feeling what you need to feel right and spending time with yourself slowing down, right? And that might be, you know, in the bath, it might be going for a slow little walk, or it might be just sitting on your bed and crying, right? And it might be journaling it out, right? And spending some time actually allowing yourself to process those emotions instead of distracting with something healthier. Because we can still distract. We can distract by listening to this awesome podcast. We can distract by reading a good book. I mean, these are healthy habits, but we're still not being present with ourselves and the experience that we just had on that really shitty day. So I would argue that that is the work and doing that is the hardest part because everything in us since childhood has been screaming that it's not safe to do that. So there's a lot of work that we all need to do on, on re-regulating our nervous system and working with someone to do that, you know, whether it's a somatic therapist, um, I'm a huge fan of breath work. I'm also a huge fan of psychedelic work and really navigating into some of these traumas so that they no longer have the hold on us that they have and learning to yeah tra- like training our system right we need to retrain our system how to relax and how to feel safe and and build those tools to support ourselves for many of us feeling big emotions like maybe there's some grief is not safe to do alone right and that's where we need the space holder we need someone who can hold us in that and help us navigate that because it's too big and scary um but for some, right, and you get to a place where me, you know, like myself, I have no problem like, holding myself and supporting myself through some big emotions because I have my grounded tools. So that's how I would answer that. Uh, maybe not what you were expecting, but I think that's a really important piece that I see is, you know, just being careful that we're not just replacing with more distraction and instead learning how to be with ourselves.
0: I think it's a really good point because I have certainly done exactly what you've just described. Now, I would agree that there are certain habits that will serve us better than others. But for example, I, this is just a, a personal one, but I've talked about this in the podcast. I don't have social media on my, on my devices. Like I don't have, my phone is a tool. It doesn't do anything other than, I should probably go back and get one of those old school Nokia. Yeah, my phones, husband has need, one of those. <laughs> I don't need a smartphone anymore because I don't use it for anything smart. Um, but what I mean by that is, I, I replaced. I noticed I did this. I replaced social media with reading. Now, for example, someone might say, "Okay, well, that's a, that's a great healthy habit to do." But the the reading was actually still y- y- numbing out. It was just another form of doing that. And you could argue, "Okay, well, that's a, a better form." but it's not always addressing the issue at hand and i'm glad you've actually brought that to the forefront of our of this conversation is replacing replacing a like for like isn't solving the isn't solving the issue can i ask this is really personal and feel free to take this where you want to yeah, you've obviously trialed various ways that work for for you. You know, you're a business owner, and I'm glad you've your business means that you no longer have those horrible days that you had in a past life, and you've you left that role. But you're a business owner. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes all the fires go off in one day. Sometimes you want to throw your laptop across the room. Sometimes you wonder why on earth am I doing this? I'm sure it's not just me. And um, but what do you do personally at the end of those kind of days? How do yeah. you cope with that?
1: Yeah, totally. I love that. Thanks for asking that question. Um, Because yeah, it's it's almost it's a different kind of like horror as an entrepreneur, (laughs) entrepreneur. And I've actually it's funny that you're asking this now. I've just come out of an intense couple weeks um, with the business and also personal uh, health uh, scare with my brother. Um, And there's been a lot of like emotions going on and a lot of what I now use the term is dysregulation. I know my system has been pretty dysregulated. So some of you call that stress. Um, So yeah, my go-tos are really um, having baths. I love having a bath. Breath work is a big one for me. I'm actually just at the end of a 10-week um, commitment that I've done with a group where we do two breath work sessions a day. So that's been a huge, massive um, supporter in helping me regulate my nervous system. So staying committed to that process. Um, starting my days are is probably the most important. So if I'm having a really hard time or like going through a hard time, how I start my day changes everything, absolutely everything. Um, and I actually just did this last week. I didn't get to do my morning routine. I didn't get to like, usually I'll, I'll do some light yoga and I'll do my breath work at minimum. Um, and I didn't get to do that. And I just got swept up in the day and I was so stressed all day. Like I was just dysregulated right off the bat. I didn't have my foundation. So I know that about me, um, And yeah, the, the, so for the end of the days, yeah, I also am very lucky that I have a sauna. So I love going and spending time in my sauna. We have a barrel sauna. It was the best investment I ever made about a year or two ago. Um, It's a fire burning wood sauna and I'll go in there and I'll actually, um, I love something that I'm getting into more of is singing. So actually activating my voice. I have a shamanic drum and I'm starting to play around with different, um, yeah. Different song. And that to me is, is very soothing for the nervous system. The the vocal activation is really powerful. And just being in the sauna, no technology in there, very relaxing, uh, going for walks when it's not pitch dark and freezing here in Canada, you know, in the evenings. Um, yeah. At the top of my head, those are ones I've also started learning to play instruments. Actually, that's a new one this year. So I'm starting to learn new things. I've picked up puzzling. I haven't done it in a little bit, but like finding new things to kind of do that aren't necessarily Um, yeah, I mean, some of those could be, you could say that I'm distracting, but I think it depends. Like if, if I get to the end of the day and I know that there's a lot of stuff for me to feel, um, I am grateful enough that my husband is, is training as a somatic therapist and we both like therapize each other at home. So if I'm going through something, he's there to hold space for me, um, or I'll, you know, journal and, you know, just spend time with myself and whatever feelings need to to be felt.
0: Yeah. I love that you've brought out, we were actually talking about the end of the day. And you've done exactly what I do by addressing the end of the day, reverse engineering it to fix the start of the day. And this is so funny that you've brought that up. I think January and the start of the year puts a lot of pressure on people to start all guns blazing, 110 miles an hour into our goals for the year. And no wonder people don't feel if they don't rise to that unrealistic expectation that sometimes the the weeks and the months of of January particularly can they can really take that to heart and feel a lot of failure or guilt around how the start of the year has happened I've been having conversations like that quite a lot over the last couple of weeks in particular and the reason I bring this up Danielle is what we have actually done with these ladies is instead of trying to fix everything or to fix or quote-unquote fix everything that's going on is actually to strip it right back and say how are you starting your day because you've just echoed what is is really important to me it's almost like a sacred time how you start the day for me really ripple effects into everything else that happens and I'm sure I mean you could I don't know how you feel about this but a morning routine for me doesn't have to be anything too elaborate it doesn't have to be any you know anything that takes a lot of time. It doesn't have to be hours and hours long. It can be a simple set of activities, but they're anchor points within that day. Is that something that you would echo? One
1: hundred percent, yeah. And understanding, I know that a lot of your audience is really busy, right? And a lot of a lot of women, even the ones I work with, of course, are I don't have time for that, right? And it it can be just ten minutes. And it can make such a massive difference. And what I would say is the most important part for starting your day is making sure you're starting it with yourself. So this isn't about someone else. So this is not turning your phone on, maybe not even having it with you. It's not about giving your energy away. And I know anyone who's mothers, right? That might be hard to do, but finding time to like, spend at least 10 minutes with yourself first like introspecting whether that's with your journal or listening to really beautiful music and doing some breathing or you know doing a little light stretching or actually doing a meditation you know whatever that is that helps you spend a moment inward right because you're about to go about your day and probably give your energy away to everybody else right and refueling your tank is is something that we completely forget and it's no wonder we're burnt out and exhausted and getting through that by eating sugar and drinking coffee right
0: Absolutely, I'm going to bring this up because a lovely client of mine who is a mum, and I'm always very, very careful here because I don't have kids, so I'm yeah. very, very careful about uh, the conversation around where that energy goes and who it goes to, and I'm very cognizant of the fact that mums are under a whole world of of different pressure. This lovely client of mine, she runs a busy legal practice in London and she has recently I don't know if you use uh, a lumi light where in the UK is similar to you very very dark particularly at this time of year and she has uh, used this uh, clock I have one similar that wakes you up via uh, artificial light that gradual increase of light throughout the morning and she has set her day to start a mere 15 minutes earlier And all she does with that 15 minutes before the kids get up, there's no iPhone noise. There's no jarring iPhone alarm. She gets up with the light. She has a cup of tea in bed. And she, before looking at any technology, focuses on the priority list for the day. That's her morning routine. Yeah. Simple, but so effective. But it's how she starts and goes in to the rest of her day before she lets everyone else in. And I just wanted to share that today because it's something that, her doing that has changed her outlook on her entire working day and her overwhelm or her ability to manage the day and prevent overwhelm. And it's so, so, so small. Yeah, the tea yeah. in bed, cup of tea in bed, and just doing that priority list. Um sorry, we're digressing and I know that um sugar was the the main port of call and the main uh, topic of today. I wanted to ask you, technology in the health space is becoming, more accessible. And we now have a lot of products on the market that we can now access and, and use. Glucose monitors, continuous glucose monitors are certainly something that has exploded. I'm not gonna talk about the, the companies who are championing that in the UK, but it is absolutely exploded as a, as a, tech, a wearable technology in the UK. Not sure if it's the same in Canada, if it's something it's, that has- I think
1: it's it's harder to get here you still need a prescription to get them but they're they're definitely becoming more popular and I know in the states there's quite quite a lot of um, great companies doing, doing well that.
0: you don't need them as a prescription in the UK you can ah. literally boom boom, boom wow. arrive slap it on and you can now access everything on your on your phone I did wonder if you had any thoughts on that um from a coaching perspective whether you're a pro against or or yeah neutral.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, as with everything, it's not black and white. I don't have a black and white answer, right? Um, I think for for most people, they can be such a helpful tool for accountability and for awareness. I think one of the biggest problems that we have in our society is just awareness around what's going on with our blood sugar. I mean, most people have no idea if their blood sugar is dysregulated or if they are, you know, are pre-diabetic and there's problems, right? So I think in that regard, it's really helpful information. Um, The only place where I would question it is for those who have a history with eating disorders, right. Or with um, really, yeah, really traumatic, challenging relationships with their body and with food. Um, So same with the scale, right. Weighing yourself, right. Like I think for each of you, thinking about getting a cgm and using it just being really clear on what you're wanting to get out of that and why you're using it you know is it to shame myself after i have a piece of cake right so or is it as an actual like information gatherer and oh that's really interesting that the cake did that to my body like we we have to be really careful that these tools don't then sneak in as ways for us to become obsessed with our health. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in sort of the biohacking space and I see all the gadgets they have and all the things. And personally, that's not for me. I'm a real down to earth, like I don't love a lot of technology. I'm still figuring out technology. I can see the support. I can see for some people that really is helpful, but for others, it's just more noise, it's more distraction and it can begin or continue promoting not connecting with our bodies, um, which I'm a huge proponent of. So that's a whole journey, of course, too. But to be able to actually listen to your body, you know, to know if you had a good sleep versus needing your aura ring to tell you you had a good sleep. So we just need to be really careful as we're navigating into all of these beautiful technologies. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying we just need to be really clear on how we're using them, why we're using them, and how long we're using them for. And are they actually going to support us in the, in creating more connection with ourself, understanding of our body's cues. Cause our, our body's telling us if our blood sugar is dysregulated or if we've had a bad sleep, like we don't need a tool to tell us that. Um, but for many who are so disconnected from their body, cause that's just the, that's the way we've been raised. That might be a helpful tool to sort of get back there. Right. And to say, oh, okay, like now I have, I'm having a bit of feedback. Here's a number, now I can associate it with maybe how I'm feeling and start maybe, you know, going from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you use any kind of wearable or any kind of tracker? I Gosh. don't.
1: No, no and, and I don't. Have you ever. Um, I've done C, I've had a CGM before. Yeah. And I, I'd actually like to do it again. I like to kind of ex- experiment with myself, uh, different foods and things and see how my body's reacting. Um, but no, other than that, I have my, my husband has an Apple watch, but I don't think he uses it for anything other than running and listening to podcasts.
0: It's <laughs> no, amazing. It's, I, it's always yeah, really, I really interesting to hear other coaches perspectives on where they feel this is an appropriate, uh, I mean, use and, and which where you go personally. I would presume you have clients who use. Yeah. And they, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you're not yeah. against it at all.
1: No, not at all. No. As I said, like it can be a really helpful tool for a lot of people. Um, I just personally, am such a, like, earth down to earth kind of gal. I love things simple. Like I don't have a lot of gadgets in my kitchen. I'm just not a gadget person. Yeah. Um, and that works for me right now. One day I'm, I might get gadgets. I don't know. Right. Um, but right now I, I don't feel like any, I, I know when I wake up and I had a bad sleep and I know why, because my cats kept me up all night. Right. Like I, I don't need something to tell me that. Um, but who knows, in the future, I I might, right? So really
0: a worthwhile yeah. point. Was there anything that you, from your first experience of using a CGM, has it changed anything to you? Has it flagged anything up? Were there any learning curves for you from that experience?
1: Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Um, I do remember learning like just what I kind of already knew, but seeing how bad it was in my body. So I remember specifically when I had chips and salsa and it was just skyrocketed. My blood sugar was just off the charts. Um, wow. I didn't think it would be that bad. So there was definitely a few, and I think there were a few others as well. A few things that I like tested and I was like, wow. Okay. That is really like worse than I thought. Um, and that was really helpful. I don't eat chips and salsa anymore. It was never really a big staple of mine anyway, but, um, you know, I I would like to do it again with the knowledge that I have now. I mean, like I said, this was a few years ago and I know so much more now. Um, so I would love to do it again and and see, you know, where my my personal body is at. Um, one of the things that I will mention here, um, I have a colleague of mine, uh, Danielle Hamilton. She is the the like the CGM expert in my in my she actually has a master class in my program um where she talks about CGMs and she does make the good point that um CGMs aren't actually that accurate, so they can be really helpful, but if anybody is actually trying to manage diabetes or pre, um, pre-diabetes, um, just to acknowledge that it, they're not always the most accurate and the, the actual finger prick is going to always be more accurate. So there is a little bit of, of variance there, um, and she's done lots of experiments where she'll scan her CGM and then do a finger prick, and they're completely different numbers. Yeah, Yeah, really- so just keeping that in mind. It's, it's just,
0: it's always the, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt and and yeah. just be very, very in tune with what's going on. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it as an experience. I think there is a novelty factor, of course, which is, you For know, sure. it, it's great. So it's, it's a new technology. You can learn more about your body. Um, but I think you need to be in a good place to do it. For yeah. me, I found the order of eating food really interesting. So I've, yeah. and that's been actually something that I will say has stuck so they, I would eat. I'm pretty, uh, pr- pretty much a creature of habit in terms of in terms of food. I do try and rotate uh, veggies and something as 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 we all should. And but I am pretty consistent in my meals. And I found eating the same meals in different orders impacted my blood sugar. And that's something that has been a, I've made a lasting change, as it were, from that. And that's been helpful. Um, eating veggies first and protein and then leaving the the carbs to later in the meal and that's just been a super 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 simple but it's it's really helped it helps the society satiety helps with um slowing down meals as well which i think is always something we advocate with our client base but yeah it's
1: interesting yeah and that's uh, you know i want to add to that because that's a really great point i mean there's lots of little tips that we can do here to like support our blood sugar so that's a really good one that you mentioned um a couple others i'll I'll throw in right is moving after you eat. So a five minute walk has been shown to massively like help regulate your blood sugar. Um, So if you are eating sugar, make it a priority. Like if you're going to have a piece of cake, make it a priority to go for a walk after, and you're just going to be supporting your body um, so much better. Obviously having fiber with your meals, protein and fat with carbs. Like if you're going to be eating, eating something um, can really help slow things down. And, and eating slow, like you mentioned, right? Like actually that, that has such a massive effect on just our digestive system in general and, um, you know, and getting our bodies in that rest and digest state, which is really important. Which I know
0: is challenging for busy ladies who will yes. sit in front of a screen and maybe not even look at their food. So it's yeah. it's literally it's yeah, I remember it's staring, yep, it's staring at the screen and it's it's not even using that lunch, it's not even a lunch break. It's just I'm consuming food while thinking about the next yeah. email reply. We've all been yeah. there, and but yeah. it does affect the body massively. Um Tanya, I'm so thankful that you've been able to join us on the podcast this week and a really good insight into the work that you do with uh, with sugar being the, the main focus, but knowing that that's pretty surface level in regards to, to your work, it goes much, much deeper and a nice reminder for us all that it isn't the superficial switch, and we might have to be doing different work than we expect. It's not always just replacing the the snack with another snack to um to, you know the healthier choice. It's it's something that's generally deeper rooted and a, and a really good way to um approach um sh- not just sugar but addictive behaviors as well, whatever that looks like. For individuals and if someone has been listening to this episode and they find themselves in a position where they would love to kick start improving that relationship with sugar or or removing it they find themselves cycling through or that uh, experience that we discussed you know at the end of the day needing that sugar is coming up for them and, and they really want to break that cycle what's one action point or tip or trick would you recommend that they try from this episode I always like to leave practical tips and um, what's one um strategy that you would suggest people try that's worked well for you or your clients
1: yeah ah beautiful oh just one Yeah, we got so many just if you have <laughs> 10 throw
0: them all in there we've got okay. <laughs>
1: Well, the first thing that I'd say is so important. And this is where my journey started was just bringing awareness to where is sugar sneaking into your life. So in this is, is beginning to label read, right? And maybe you don't even, you're just grabbing things off the shelf, but starting to actually become aware of where sugar is sneaking into your life. Because a lot of times you have no idea. Oh my gosh, my salad has 20 grams of sugar in it. And I had a client recently that was like, what? The salad dressing has 20 grams of sugar in it. So That is a really important part for you to be aware of where it's coming in, because automatically you're gonna start making better choices, right? And you're gonna start to choose, oh, okay, maybe I'll get this other salad or this other salsa that doesn't have added sugar. So label reading and just starting to be aware of where that's coming in takes almost no time at all, right? It's a couple seconds here, a couple seconds there, you're just looking at labels and looking at the ingredients and kind of checking there. And then the next the next piece that I would say is is where I usually get people to start, and I usually share this, is especially as you're mentioning about that end of the day. I'm so stressed, I need to relax, right? I want a glass of wine. I want a bowl of ice cream. I want to just veg out and and chill out. I've been there so many times. <laughs> and I would say in that, it's it really is an accumulation of learning how to tune in with yourself. So a great place to start there is before you eat anything, if you can, and when you're aware enough to do this, check in with your body. So taking a pause before grabbing that thing, right? Just taking a pause and this isn't to guilt or shame or criticize yourself. This is a curiosity pause, right? Where you're just checking in with your emotional state or perhaps any physical sensations that are going in the body, right? What just happened here? Oh, I'm just feeling really frazzled. My day has been just putting out fires everywhere. I'm exhausted. Right. And write that down. So starting to keep a log of what shows up for you when you're reaching for sugar, right? What is present for you when you are reaching for sugar and that builds a lot of awareness. And, you know, there's lots of reasons why we do that, but um, that at least is that again, that awareness, place of what are your patterns, right? And what are your, you know, go-tos, you know, emotionally or, or, you know, just in your body when you're reaching for sugar. I love that.
0: And you'll start to notice those patterns for sure. I know I certainly have them and they they present, um it's pretty much the same things, but I love the awareness piece. So bringing more focus and attention. And I think we could all do with doing that. It's challenging in a busy life, but well worth doing. Um, Danielle, thank you so much for your contribution to this episode. For anyone who wants to find out more about you, the work that you do, where is the best place to find you? What do you have coming up and how can people get involved with your work?
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well, Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I love talking about this. I could talk forever and I appreciate your questions. Um, So you could definitely come and connect with me. Um, My website is danielledame.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Danielle Dame as well. And of course the podcast beyond sugar freedom podcast, where we go so deep into a lot of, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes with food and, um, I just recently launched a program. So that's not, not current right now, but I do have a host, a few live programs where we do this deep work with food uh, a couple of times a year. So you can come onto my website and get on the wait list there. Uh, I also am new to hosting retreats. So anyone who is in the, the, well, you could be anywhere around the world, anyone who's not afraid to fly. Um, I'm hosting my next retreat June, 2024, on a little Island near Vancouver, BC, and we're going to do some work together and detox some sugar together. And it's, it's so powerful and so wonderful so
0: amazing i love you've Bye. gone down the retreat line and if anyone does want to explore that part of the world i cannot it's just it has a special place in my heart obviously but it's a wonderful time of the year to also go and and explore um yeah you just have a wonderful country and it's uh yeah if you
1: love we hope you come there, back one day oh,
0: honestly <laughs> it's just it's one of those things that I think you get really, really connected to a place and when you build lots of memories there. But I think one of the things that I loved about particularly I've been to the island, but even Vancouver itself, people there just have a completely different relationship with nature and the outdoors and obviously the the, uh, landscape and everything that you have supports that like it's just why wouldn't you go for these amazing hikes yeah. why wouldn't you go skiing every weekend yeah. in the winter why would it's just it's phenomenal but I, I love their culture I uh, they had a completely different relationship to work-life balance out there than we do in the uk and it was you know when 5 30 hit you know the the tools down and go out and enjoy time with your family and go out and enjoy outdoor space and, and do things after work and you know shoot hoops we would go and you know, play basketball and just go and sit in the park and you know it was just a very 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 special time so it's uh, it's wonderful to hear you're doing great work out there and and thank you so much for being on this episode of health X.
1: yeah thank you for having me so wonderful
0: Thank you so much, Danielle, for your contribution to this week's episode of the Health Hacks podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have Danielle on the show. And I hope that's been really insightful to you if you are on a mission to improve your diet, your nutrition, your relationship with food. I hope all of these guest episodes are coming together in a beautiful, beautiful, symphony to help you make lasting changes this year um, we started with nutrition because I know this is the area that a lot of individuals struggle with and we want to make this as accessible and as easy to put into practice as possible so Danielle thank you so much if you enjoyed this episode of the health hacks podcast you can show your support for the show by hitting the follow or subscribe button in your podcast platform of choice it's probably apple Podcasts or spotify If you would like to send this to a friend, we want to spread our message of health hacks far and wide. And if you would like to send either this episode or the show to a friend who you know is looking to make lasting changes to their health and well-being, that's another wonderful way to uh, spread our message and also to help that individual. And if you are interested in... Deepening your own understanding of nutrition and learning how all of this works, everything that we've been talking about in this week's episode, learning how that works specific to you in your context. Maybe you want to learn how to improve your diet around really, really busy family life. Maybe for you, it's your job. And the stress around that that's getting in the way of your nutritional progress. Maybe you just don't know if you're eating the right things or you can't work out why you always want to snack in the evening. Working one-to-one with a coach who knows you on an individual level can really help you not only reach those goals, but do it in the quickest way and a way that's going to work for you specifically. It's not about cookie cutter plans. It's about finding out the strategies that are going to work with you and your life, and your job, and your family life. I once had a mentor who said to me, the principles are few, the methodologies are plenty. So perhaps the principle that you want to achieve is weight loss. The methods to get you there, they're highly individualized. And this is where working with a coach can really help. I've put my diary link in the show notes below. You can book it on a 15 minute discovery call and that's a super, super informal chat. It's we're gonna sit down, find out a little bit more about you, but more importantly, where you want to be, how we're gonna help you get there. Okay, we'll see you next week on the Health Hacks podcast. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week.